0: 16 presents. Hello listeners, Billy Sanford here with another installment of my series of chats on music and photography on Sunny 16 presents On Location. I may have teased that this was to be the final installment where I shared my own perspectives on music and photography, but we're going to have to play a little fast and loose with the rules if you'll allow it because I had the opportunity to include a contribution from Rachel Brewster-Wright. Listeners will know Rachel as a host of Sunny 16 and for her series of introductory darkroom printing for Ilford's YouTube channel. Long-time listeners to Sunny 16 will also know that Rachel started Little Vintage Photography through which she has photographed weddings, but also with the goal to educate through workshops with local schools and galleries and at community events. This includes using analog photography as a way to bring a fun approach to various STEM subjects. Even before the pandemic, she carried this educational aspect of her work over to her Patreon page. Rachel played violin in a band called Roja, and the opening theme song to the Sunny 16 podcast is one of their tunes, The Evil Stands High, off of their album Promises I Should Have Kept. She has mentioned the violin occasionally during the podcast over the years, and it was this part of her past that made me reach out to her to see if it might be possible to have a chat. But of course, many will also know that she's just welcomed her new daughter Constance into the world and is of course spending much of her time currently caring for a young baby. But because Rachel is the epitome of her slogan, Shoot Film Be Nice, She found a few quiet moments to record her perspectives on a few of the topics I had sent over to her previously. I'm so grateful to be able to include her contribution and I'm certainly in her debt. I wanted to know how she first got into music, how Roja had formed and their story and whether there had been any points along the way where she had had to decide which path she would pursue in life between music and photography. But I started by asking how her father had influenced her to get into photography. Let's have a listen.
1: Hey there, Billy, it's uh, Rachel from Sunny 16 and obviously from Little Vintage Photography as well. You've asked about my father's influence on my photography and yes, my dad was was the first person who, who taught me about photography. He was a photographer himself. He learnt uh, the craft, I suppose, in the uh, sort of like 70s when he was in the RAF. And he basically was the first person to teach me how to shoot with the camera, taught me about pinhole, taught me about light, taught me about the magic of the dark room and all of these amazing things. He was also a fantastic artist himself. And um, one of my overriding memories is of him in the dark room, painting with the chemistry, uh, rather than creating actual photographs, um, using the chemistry to create uh, images, uh, which I just found completely magical, because he would do the, he would make these in pretty much pitch black he would just simply paint with the chemistry and uh, and then expose it to light and you'd be left with these beautiful images so um, there's one that I know he did of a, uh, a knight with a shield like a traditional medieval knight uh, and I was just absolutely blown away with that thought it was just incredible and yes he was the person who taught me to take my first photograph I have a photograph somewhere that my mum wrote on the back saying Rachel's first um, image or photo uh, age three which is of a feather Um, it's a lovely lovely feather that we found on a walk somewhere so it's always been part of my life and his influence has always been there
0: I'd heard Rachel tell the story of her father before and really sets the scene for a creative life to come. It stands out to me in particular because I have been around a few three-year-olds and have not found many of them capable of photography yet. But how did music come into the picture?
1: The music side of things had been uh, since I was about eight I learnt the violin so at school I remember somebody coming in and and sort of like showing us a violin and showing us various different instruments and whoever was interested got told to sign up Uh, but unfortunately there wasn't enough space for me so um, uh, they kept kind of like asking people to sign up and waiting until they dropped out and I had to wait until pretty much everybody dropped out before um, uh, I was on the waiting list and then eventually they they gave me a space to be able to have uh, lessons at school because we couldn't afford like private lessons. So yeah, so we started, I started uh, learning the violin. My mum especially was just a wonderful influence on making sure that I practised and and making sure that, you know, I was still happy playing, you know, that I was never really, I was never under pressure to like, you know, or you've definitely got to do this or what have you. I was very much left to make a choice as to whether I was enjoying it, you know. And if at any point I turned around and said, actually, this isn't for me, they definitely would have been fine with that. But my mum and dad, you know, they ferried me around to various different meetings and, and orchestra uh, meetups and practice sessions and everything over the years from pretty much when I started. I eventually came to playing at the sort of like uh, local college and that kind of thing and bizarrely I ended up in the, um, uh, the youth sort of like schools proms. So there is a point in my life at which we ended up I'd actually progressed to uh, first desk of the first violin. So I was leading the orchestra and um, we applied to for the school's proms and we actually got through all the rounds. So uh, we, I got a chance to go to London and play at the... Uh, Royal Festival Hall, and then we got through to the next round and we played at the Queen Elizabeth Hall. and Finally, the actual proms itself was at the um, Royal Albert Hall, which was pretty pretty amazing. And I just remember sort of like feeling really overawed about about the whole thing, but also because I guess I was, you know, I was sort of maybe 12 or what have you at that, at that time, 12, 13. There's also kind of like an element of I didn't really think about how big that was you know at the time as, as a thing to do. Uh, I just kind of went along with it but yeah it's it's lovely to be able to say that I did that and that was really cool. So um, I progressed from there to the Warwickshire County Youth Orchestra and I uh, was lucky enough to go and play at various different concerts and performances and all sorts of things with with them uh, and I was also in the rugby symphonia which was just wonderful local orchestra it was actually attached to rugby school which is the private school I was I think part of the remit of um, the children that were brought in from the uh, local comp <laughs> school uh, because I definitely didn't go to to the private school that was through um, my violin teacher called Alan Broadbent sadly he passed away last year but it was just a fabulous time in my life. I absolutely loved uh, playing in the orchestras, and I got to go to uh, Venice and play in kind of like the, uh, the some of the squares in Venice and uh, some of the churches there, which was wonderful. We got to go on the Norfolk Broads, and I remember you know um, playing at various cathedrals along the way. Uh, and, and sitting on top of the uh, barge, like a narrow boat with friends uh playing uh, you know various pieces in practice as we were sort of like sailing at four mile an hour down the canals, which was just which was just amazing, so I have a lot of very, very happy memories of music and what it gave to me and the opportunities that I got through it, you know things like going to the Edinburgh. Uh, festival and playing at that you know things I never would normally have done. But music was a wonderful way of of me kind of like dipping my toe into these other worlds you know and I met people who who did go to private school and I met people who who didn't and I became friends with people from all sort of like walks of life I suppose through music which is just a wonderful wonderful thing to be able to do and a wonderful opportunity and Uh, You know, people I never would normally have spoken to or met or been friends with or uh, crossed paths with at all. You know, I I think there was myself and, you know, a handful of other people who came from um, the local council estate, if you like. And and so it it was a really strange kind of like mix, but also really lovely to see that we weren't so different after all uh, and that music brought us together and I think there's a lot of crossover with that and photography as well and especially analog photography like this idea that you get to meet people from all around the world from all walks of life you know and and find a connection through music or through photography.
0: For someone who's played violin it makes sense to consider possibly pursuing a career in the symphony or orchestra. But how does one parlay early classical training into an opportunity to live the rock star lifestyle?
1: When I was at university, I then met the members from what now is Roja, which uh, originally I was in a band with them called Marlow, And yeah, again, it was a lovely sort of like side part of what I was creating. I actually remember... Uh, how I met them because I was stood in the queue for the students union and there was this guy who was like handing out flyers and things saying oh this is great band you know and he turns out he was a drummer as and I was like um uh, okay yeah cool uh sounds great and he was like yeah, but we've got, like, sax and we've got trumpet and we've got violin. And I was like, oh, I play the violin. And he was like, actually, we need a new violin player. So this is going to be her last gig. So if you come along, it would be great to, you know, sort of, like, see you there. And uh, we'll have a chat, you know, with the rest of the band afterwards sort of thing. So I ended up going along to to this uh, gig. Uh, unfortunately, all, my, all of my friends happened to be busy that night. Um, so I ended up going on my own, uh, which was kind of like quite brave of me because I wouldn't have really done that at that at that time normally. Marlo came out on stage and started playing and I was like blown away. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing because it was the first time I'd really seen you know, uh, a violinist on stage uh, um, in a rock band, you know, um, with the sax and the trumpet and all of these interesting sounds um, and having, you know, like the electric violin and the instruments and things. I just thought this is really cool because actually I could play this, you know, and this is stuff that I definitely could do. And I just thought it was fab. So, um, yeah. uh, And I thought, well, this is a really cool way of combining um, the music that I loved, you know, my rock and my metal and and what have you with the kind of more classical based instrument of the violin that I knew how to play so I thought yeah this is definitely a path that I want to I want to pursue alongside obviously what I was doing is my course at university so uh, I spoke to the band afterwards and uh, it turns out that we uh, we actually uh, lived in houses that were joined at the back in South Liverpool Uh, couldn't believe it ended up um, going back to the house to a a sort of like after party sort of thing and then pretty much went round the corner to go home (laughs) because yeah we were our houses were adjoined by the yard basically a yard gate to each other which is very um, serendipitous I suppose and so yeah I their violinist was leaving the band Um, I ended up joining the band and I've had a fantastic time with the band as Marlowe and subsequently as Rocha in between. They're some of my best friends and uh, they were actually a very, very big part of why I ended up staying in Liverpool after I finished my studies at university. So because, uh, yeah, so uh, they were my friends and also because we uh, were busy doing tours and um, having lots of fun, um, living a rock star lifestyle, I suppose. Yeah, it was just wonderful fun uh, to be able to use an instrument that I'd grown up, like, learning and playing. But to be able to do that and play in, in big gigs and things, you know, which was just fantastic. So um, uh, through through that, I had the opportunity to play at South by Southwest in Austin in Texas, which was awesome. And uh, to play a Peel session for John Peel, who's a fantastic uh, music, uh, you know, aficionado, um, and got to uh, go and record that at Maida Vale uh, Studios. Um, I, bizarrely, I ended up uh, with the kind of final week of my dissertation, and I'd done my dissertation on MTV, um, obviously in terms of the media side of things, and in the same week that I submitted it, we ended up with our, with our video on MTV, and it was a very odd kind of like clash of the two sides of my life of the media side and and the and the music side. So yeah, it was very strange writing about MTV and be appearing on MTV same, in the same week was it was an odd experience, but yeah, very cool. And I've just always loved you know playing these gigs, having having fun doing that, um, creating you know uh, music that. I didn't expect to ever be able to, you know, kind of create or be part of or what have you. So that's just been fabulous. And I think also alongside that the link with photography again is that it meant that I was going to more gigs, I was able to take, you know, sort of like photos at various gigs and things like that that I probably would never have normally done and it, I I think for me I realized that music was uh, more of a uh, an enjoyment, sort of like personal side of uh, my life, rather than necessarily a professional, commercial side. Um, although you know, I wouldn't have turned down uh, becoming a rock star full time. That would have been pretty cool. But yeah, it was just the way things worked out. You know, that it didn't quite, it didn't quite work for us in terms of it ever quite taking off at the right time. You know, it's very much you have to be in the right place at the right time and the right people listening. You know, and that kind of thing. But regardless of that I still had an awesome time you know got to go into these awesome places got to go on like a road trip around uh Europe um you know it was it was such a lot of fun um the only thing I regret is that I wasn't actually doing any analog photography at the time because I so would have loved you know capturing that if I think about it now I was like these are just perfect opportunities that I missed in a way um to have been able to document our lives doing that you know for the for the few years that probably 10 12 15 years that, that we were busy um doing all of this kind of like touring and and what have you it would have been so cool to have that record of it so that's my only regret really because I came back to analogue photography after uh, we'd sort of Mostly, mostly sort of like stopped. Generally, you know, things happened with everybody's in everybody's lives. People moved away, it became more difficult to uh, rehearse and practice. Our lead singer and songwriter Simon, he moved to Leeds from Liverpool. So that was obviously much further away. His mum still lived in West Derby, Joan. Uh, so when we could practice together, uh, when he came back, we'd practice in her in her bedroom randomly. And then a couple of years ago, we ended up applying to be part of the BBC's best part-time band because I thought there's no one more part-time than us, to be fair, <laughs> um, as Rocha. And um, so yeah, at that bizarrely, we met Rob Gilbert, the comedian, and uh, Peter Hook. From your order, etc., and that was another one of those experiences that was very bizarre for me in my life. Where walking into Joan's bedroom in West Derby and finding Rod Gilbert and Pete Hook sitting on her on her bed, and then for us to be practicing and you know there and what have you. Anyway, um, so yeah, so we got to go and play a, a gig for that, and it was it was televised and what have you. Which it, yeah, I think we got through to the semi-finals or something on that. Anyway it was uh, again a lot of fun and uh, another bizarre kind of like twist to my life but yeah loved it it was so much fun and I think that's probably where I'm at with music like I say various things happened with people's lives and sort of like drifting apart slightly obviously we're all still uh, very much uh, friends but just various things have have kind of like taken us in different directions and and different locations and i think unless you're uh in the same location and able to rehearse and practice on a on a regular basis it it becomes difficult to continue so that was kind of like what happened to us but we keep saying you know oh we need to record some more stuff and we need to um get back together and and do you know a kind of like best of uh hits or um a, a gig you know another gig or, or have you together again. In terms of our uh, records and, and albums and things like that, um, we were always um, published through Probe Records, who were quite legendary, um, uh, sort of like record label in Liverpool that, you know, is an indie indie label, if you like. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was always a, a pleasure to be kind of like part of that family as well on Probe Records. So yeah, I guess that's that kind of like covers my journey of music and, and where I'm at. Uh, right up to the sort of like current day where the most recent video that we made uh, my husband Adam and his business partner Owen as Tomfoolery Limited uh, the production company and animation that they do they filmed that for us so we put that out uh, along with the album which obviously most people will have heard uh, a couple of the tracks from it as part of the uh, Sunny 16 sort of sting I suppose jingles what have you the the music uh, of Rocha and uh, so they filmed the video and created that for us and I've since done uh, quite a bit of of like sessional work with with Simon um, and what have you when he's because he's still uh, songwriting um, working with lots of sort of like pop stars and things like that now and occasionally needs some sessional violin so I go along and do that which is lovely
0: since this is a series about music and photography and i initially knew rachel through photography i thought early in her life she may have been weighing whether she would pursue music or photography in this uh, career it turns out it was initially a completely different path
1: there was the point in time where analog kind of um went out as digital came in uh, and that was when i was sort of at the end of my college years so i'd spent you know a couple of very happy uh, years in the dark room at art college learning about you know the craft of photography and then it was time to decide you know what to do in terms of my career and what I wanted to do next going to university and things like that um, if I wanted to do that and uh, I I couldn't afford to go straight to uni so I had a year out so I'd be able to um, save up enough money uh, to be able to uh, going uh, into higher education and that year was was really good in that it gave me an opportunity to try a few more things out and the decision actually was actually at the time I was thinking about which way do I go, do we, do I pursue the music route or do I pursue the media production route actually uh, rather than photography. I did an A level in photography and I did a BTEC national diploma in media production so those were the two sort of like fields, really, that I was looking at. But uh, I never really thought of pursuing photography as a uh, a career at, at that point. Uh, it was either music or it was media, really. I kind of came to the conclusion that it would probably be, unless you're like really, really at the top of your game in terms of music, that I probably wouldn't be able to match you know the uh, the level um of professionalism in music in terms of my skill and what have you to be able to make that into a professional career having gone then through and created a career in more the sort of like production and technical cameras based uh, and editing side of media production um, and education and kind of coming around full circle going back to photography and analog photography I think it was always going to be a case that I'd be in some sort of creative uh, career. But it's it's just funny how like these sort of loops happen, isn't it, in life, really.
0: How does music still have a place for Rachel?
1: And, uh, yeah, coming sort of like full circle to um, last November when it was my 40th birthday and Adam, my husband, surprising me by buying me... A, an upright piano which I've always wanted but have never had chance to learn, never had chance to sit down and, and play or had space for a piano in the house so that was absolutely amazing having that surprise and I guess uh, the only thing that I'm a bit sad about is that um, I just have not had any time to get my violin out and play it at all recently, uh, it probably in the last couple of years now you know with the pandemic and everything. It's just not really been possible, uh, but uh, I've learned maybe a couple of couple of songs on the piano. That's about it. Again, with Constance arriving, it's uh, it's made things uh, a little bit more challenging. But when I was pregnant with her, I was I, I did play um, a couple of songs uh, to her to uh, make sure that she was moving, and uh, and she would always sort of like uh, roll around um, when she could hear though hear them. Uh, so that was nice uh, little connection. And you and I'll play them to her when she gets a bit older as well.
0: And a few final thoughts on these two topics.
1: Music and photography have been such a huge part of my life both as creative outlets and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that photography has become such a big part of my life in, in a professional sense as well as a personal sense um, and it's just wonderful to have music there alongside it too. So there you go that's uh, the, my story of music and photography and I think there's a big connection between the two as a as creative outlets, and there's definitely something in the in the water. I think that a lot of people who work in photography or use photography or enjoy that also are quite musical or have an interest in it, um, even if they don't play themselves. So um, yeah, thank you again, Billy, for asking me to just you know record my thoughts and my experiences and and what have you um of uh, of that and uh, i hope this is of some use to you and uh, that people have enjoyed listening so thanks again and uh, i look forward to listening to the whole show okay bye
0: i can't thank rachel enough for taking a few of the precious moments that i imagine she gets during a day to sit down and record some remembrances on these things for me to include I know I've missed hearing her on Sunny 16 as regularly as we used to, and I knew that other listeners would be glad to hear a little something from her as well. Attentive listeners may have also deduced by now that Claire was the brave soul who volunteered to chat with me to start this series. Being very patient with someone with no experience interviewing anyone or recording a conversation for a podcast. An aid who already has two podcasts of his own to manage, which covers the complete width and breadth of photography, took time out to have a marathon session with me. And now even Rachel, who is caring for his very small baby, was able to find a few minutes to contribute some thoughts. But I suppose one sunbeam just couldn't be bothered. I'm, of course, teasing Graham. Graham. It was Graham's observation from the music theme Cheap Shots Challenge about how many people are into both photography and music that set me down this path. And it was Graham who I reached out to initially to ask whether this might be a topic anyone would be interested in hearing about. So certainly this series would not exist without his contribution. You can find Rachel on the socials as Little Vintage Photography, which I will include in the show notes. You can find the album, Promises I Should Have Kept, from her band Roja, on all good music channels, and I will include a couple of links for that as well. The music you've heard behind the intro and outro is just a very small taste of the music for productions that Mike Gutterman makes available from his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And of course, if you have an idea for an episode to feature on Sunny 16 Presents, you can reach out at sunny16presents at gmail.com. As a listener, I'd love to hear what you've been up to. I hope everyone is well, and I'll be back soon with another installment.